today, I'm going to share something that Pam, we were having a conversation during the week, and she said something. When she said it, it's like I felt something dropped into my spirit. And I was like, hmm, that was interesting what she said. It's just funny how that'll happen sometimes. Somebody will say something, it just triggers something. And she didn't even realize it, and it wasn't like we were having a major biblical or scholarly uh, discussion. She just said something, it just sparked something. So I prayed, and the Lord took me to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. She's basically making a statement about, um, if I recall correctly, just, you know, like speaking into the life of somebody or just discussing the situation. And I don't think she even realized, like, how it hit me, but it just struck. So I prayed, and basically the Lord showed me about principles of speaking the future into manifestation. Amen? Speaking the future into manifestation. And by manifestation, I'm talking about going from just praying about things occurring until in faith, seeing and visualizing and speaking those things into action and having an expectation that as you proclaim things and pray things in God that they are going to come into being it's not just empty words going out there and hitting nothing amen so Romans chapter 4 verse 17 says as it is written I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you the glory, the honor, and praise for everything that you're doing in our lives. And right now we even thank you, Father, that we're basking in the, the glow of being in your presence, praising and worshiping you. Right now, Father, we call ourselves receptives, um, receptacles, Father, to receive manna, bread, fruit from on high that will inspire us, that will mold us, that will motivate us. We praise and thank you that your word will fill us, that it will feed us, that at whatever area that we need to be spoken into in our lives, it will be fruitful unto us today. And we praise and thank you, Father, that your word will come back to our remembrance as we need it, that you would be glorified, that you would empower us, that you would allow us to be people that can touch and impact the lives of others as well. And we praise and thank you, Father, for these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We see here in the book of Romans, it's talking about the relationship between God the Father and Abram, who later became Abraham. And as you know, Abram, when he first had his encounter with God, uh, he had a series of things that he had to encounter and go through, trials and tribulations. And he went from a man who first didn't even know God to a man that now is serving God, living out things and traveling as God had bid him to do. But he still, in his uh, process of coming to know God, had to go through a, a series of things in regard to his faith. One time he tells the king that, She's not my wife, talking about Sarah. She's my sister. <laughs> well, she was his half-sister, so it was a half-truth. But the reality is he, was, he didn't do it because he was trying to be truthful about the bloodlines that were there. He was saying she's my sister because he's afraid that his life would be taken. So God had to get him through a process in which he would finally be bold enough in his faith that no matter what God told him to do, 
And no matter what God said he wanted to, wanted to come out of him, in this case, a son, when they were well beyond the years of having children, he wanted to get him to the place that he would believe anything that, he, he, that God told him to do and would come into manifestation. So we see here that even before he got to the process of the realization of the fullness of his relation with God, that God was looking at him and he said, basically, even though you were dead, and that's not the world word like in rigor mortis dead, but pretty much in your reproductive systems, you are dead to having children. It says that God is one that before you even get to the fulfillment of the promises that he has for you, even if you think your circumstances are dead, God sees that he is one who could bring life to it, and all you have to do is really walk that thing out in faith until you see the manifestation of it. So God, looking at Abram, said, you're not necessarily even at the place to believe me for all things yet, but I see that it's in you. I see that the world and flesh and the natural thing says this is dead, but I'm going to call out and said, even though these things are dead, I'm the one to produce life in it. And I will speak into that future thing that I call to come forth out of your life, even before you're in a place to believe that it can even occur. Amen. So that's why God is a futuristic God here. He's somebody that says, I don't care what you're going through. I'm not talking about not care like I don't have compassion for you. But he's basically saying, I don't care the fact that your circumstances are bleak, dead, demolished, ruined. I don't care about your circumstances you're dealing with right now. I don't care about your socioeconomic background. I don't care that you're overwhelmed right now. I know that no matter what is going on in your life, I can make the fulfillment of my promises and your purpose in life come to fruition. Amen? So be clear. When I say God doesn't care, I'm not talking about compassion about your circumstances. I'm talking about God doesn't care about the obstacles that will prevent you from getting to the place where he's called you to be. So God can see all your dead, discouraged, bleak, dismal circumstances and say, I still speak into the future because I'm the one that brings those things into place regardless of the things that are in your life right now. So we see here that he called forth those things which be not as though they were. In other words, before you even get to your future, God sees the future. He's already speaking toward it. Amen? So what does that mean? We got to get on board with the thing. Are we walking around deadheads? I ain't talking about the Grateful Dead musical group, but are you a deadhead? Are you walking around and God says, I promise you this job. I promise you divine health when you're sick. I promise you money when you're broke. I promise you this and this and this and all these different things, but you're going around with the mentality of a dead person. I'm never going to get out of this debt. I'm never going to be healthy. I'm never going to have that career. I'm never going to have that relationship. Are you going around with the mentality of a deadhead? Or you believe in God, and as he is seeing and visualizing and calling forth those things in your future, can you get to the place where you say, you know what, God? I'm just going to try believing you once, and now I'm going to start speaking those things in emotion. I'm going to start walking out in faith in those things, and I'm going to see the, the fulfillment of these things as you hold my hand and take me into my future. Calling forth those things which be not <laughs> as though they were. And he's just putting on my spirit right now. Are you calling out those things which be not in the negative? God showed you years ago, I'm going to be a businessman. It hasn't happened yet. 
So now you're speaking, I ain't going to ever have a business. I'm not going to be a businessman. I'm not good enough to have a business. I don't have any imagination. I don't have any ideas. I don't have any resources. Not, 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 not. I don't have, I don't have all those different negatives. Are you speaking those things that be not? Or are you speaking those things that even though they are not yet, they will be? It's quite a difference. Amen? What is your mentality about your future circumstances? Is God a God of everlasting life just after your body dies? Or is he one that can give the spark of life to your circumstances right now to turn the most bleak, dismal circumstances around so that now you can see things blooming? Amen? Can God do that in your life? God, we see here, quickeneth the dead. The word quickeneth means to revitalize, to make alive, or give life. There's a scientific principle. You can't produce life out of death. I'm here to tell you today that he, he may not scientifically produce life out of death, but God can bring life out of anything he desires. Amen? Hallelujah. God can speak life. So your dreams may have died. Your circumstances may seem to be dead, but God is the one who quickens, quickens, amen? He supernaturally brings to life. He revitalizes. He gives life to those things that seem to be dead. Now, that word calleth here, after we see that quickeneth means to revitalize, to make life or give life, the word calleth means to bid or call forth, amen? To bid or call forth. In other words... Come here. Hey, you, come here. And where is God bidding you to come forth? Into your future. The future that he envisioned for your life. The purpose that he planned for your life. God is calling out even now saying, come hither. But are you staying there in the place that you've always been? Because now have you accepted that I'm just status quo? Have you stayed at the place, the spiritual condition or the natural circumstances that you're in right now because this is the way it's always been or I, I've struggled and I've failed too many times so I'll just settle for less? Or are you listening to the call of God that says no matter what happened in the past and no matter what you're going through right now, come hither and you respond to God, I'm on the way. Amen? God is calling you forth into your future. So like I said, the word calleth means to bid or call forth. And here's the thing. It comes from a root word that means to urge on, to hail, to incite by word, to order or give commandment. Sometimes God is nicely saying, come on forth into the thing I've called you to. But sometimes we see that God is trying to incite you. He's trying to get you fired up. See, sometimes we look at the word incite, we only think about it as a negative thing. You're inciting me to anger. But no, God sometimes is calling you forth. He's trying to incite you into action. Amen? He's trying to give you a rallying cry. He's trying to give you a pep rally. He's trying to say, get off your rear end spiritually. Get out of the mindset of negativity and defeatism. And now come into the things that I've told you I can do in your life. But are you going to keep ignoring the commandment and the call of God? The rallying cry of God that says, I don't care what's happened. You are the one that I've called to do this. Come on, trust me. Come out here and do it. Or are you going to be the one that ignores God? Or are you going to hear the voice of God and say, 
even though I don't think much of myself, I'm just going to trust him and come anyway. The water might be a little choppy. The road might look a little dangerous. But you know what, God? I hear your voice. I'm going to respond. And no matter what the dangers may seem to be lying ahead, and no matter how discouraging things may seem, no matter how scary the road might seem to be and bumpy and craggy and something over there hiding behind that quarter, no matter what seems to be out there, are you willing to hear the voice of God? And no matter what might be out there, trust God that the same one who has called you to come forth is the same one that will protect you from every assignment and attack of the enemy to make sure you get to the very place he's calling you to. Amen? I ain't even really in my notes yet. I'm just... I already knew today. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so I ain't even, even really in my notes. I'm just... The Lord is trying to bid us forth. And that's like I said, when Pam spoke that, I was like, that's a prophetic thing he planted in my spirit. Because she, she was just talking. I was like, ooh, something just hit me. So God is trying to bid us forth, urge us forth, God is more excited about you doing what he's called you to do than you are. I'll pause for a second. Did y'all get it? I'll say it again. God is more excited about you coming out and doing what he's called you to do and for you walking into the future that he has in store for you, he's more excited about it than you are. The you's also pointing to me. Did y'all get it that time? God is trying to bid you forth, trying to call you out of a situation of bleakness, trying to, if necessary, incite you to say, don't settle for being average. Be all that you can be. Amen? In the army of God. Be what God has called you to be. Like I said, he's excited. So God has spoken to you in your dreams, spoken to you in the small, the still small voice, spoken to you through his word, and we've ignored him <laughs> and just remained status quo. Then God has caused circumstances to try to get us to move, sometimes uncomfortable circumstances, just to get you out of that limited, stiff, isolated, lockdown box that you live in into the place that he's truly calling you to. Amen? And we still ignored him. And then God said, I'm trying to incite you, get you fired up. Amen? God might have to put the jumper cables on some of us and spark us into action. Amen? Hallelujah. But he's calling us forth. Such a time as this. God is calling us forth. He does not want us to just be limited and boxed in and living a status quo, empty existence. God wants us to come forth. There's mighty things on the horizon, incredible things that are in store for the body of Christ, and God wants us to be a part of it on the front lines doing what he's called us to do. But are we listening to the call of God? Or do we have our ears stopped up? God is calling. It's no coincidence, as we're looking at our text scripture, it says, God, who quickeneth the dead. As I was looking at this, 
one of the things that came to my heart is that it's no coincidence that prior to permitting Abraham and Sarah to have children in their later years, that he supernaturally restored their reproductive systems. See, God likes doing that. (laughs) If he came to them when they were 20 years old, have a child. That's going to be the legacy of all the people are to follow. That's easy. They could have done that right out of their own DNA. Produce a child. That's not amazing. That's no supernatural. We serve a supernatural God. Amen? So God is just so awesome that he could have done it when they were 13, 15. People married young then. 20, 25, 30. Women now having babies. Some of them them in their 50s. Amen? (laughs) Scary enough, but... (laughs) It's happened in this day and age. I see some women's heads shaking. No, no, no. Amen. But the reality is, back then, he looked at two people. He could have had the legacy come forth at any time, but yet God waited. Until by the natural, their circumstances were totally dead. Then all of a sudden, he has the nerve to say, you're going to bring forth a child and millions of people are going to come out of the fruit of your loins that are servants of my kingdom. Seriously, God? In the 90s. <laughs> Ain't you a little late? <laughs> but yet God decided to wait until their circumstances were dead so that by faith and by his supernatural power, he could say in a situation that by natural mindset and by the physical laws of nature is totally dead, I'm going to produce life in it. Amen? How many of us are looking at our circumstances and looks totally, thoroughly dead? The doctors, the surgeons have put the paddles on. Clear. Let's try it again. Turn it up. No pulse. Try one more time. Clear. Boom. Your relationship, your job, your business, your health, by the natural, call it time of death, 12.35 p.m. It's dead. I'm just going to live out this miserable, bleak existence in God. Thank you, God. It almost be a blessing in some people's lives if, if they had a Kevorkian process. Just take me out of my misery, Lord. Amen? Some of the lives that believers are living in this day and age. But God said, no, I'm the God of supernatural. I'm looking for a few people that instead of being miserable, murmuring, complaining because my life didn't pan out the way I want it to pan out. Nothing seems to be changing. Nothing ever happens. I've been praying for years. I've tried this and that. Nothing is working. It's dead, Jim. God is waiting for a few people that he can come in and say, okay, now the times you pronounced it dead, now it's my turn. I'm about to bring the spark of life into that thing. I'm about to speak into that thing. I'm going to speak that thing which be, as we see here, call it forth those things which be not. My dream is dead. My relationship is dead, or relationships. 
my business opportunity, all the things I've dreamed, all the things that people have even prophesied over me, dead. But God is looking for a few people that as he bids them to come forth, don't listen to the negative report. Don't listen to the proclamation of death over your circumstances. I'm looking for a few people that as I call forth those things that be not as though they were, that have just enough craziness to say, let God be true and every man a liar. Matter of fact, thank you, doctors, that you pronounce it dead. Because you pronounce it dead and gone at 1235, guess what? 1236, me and God are going to trust him to bring it forth. Amen? Hallelujah. Trust God to bring forth your dreams, your destiny, your vision, your goals, your health in your body, your peace of mind, the, relation, the, re, the re, restoration of the re, relationships that have been shattered. Trust God to bring, bring forth, call forth those things which be, as, be not as though they were. Trust God to be the God of resurrection. And see, that's the thing. We only trust God to be the God of resurrection after we die. Jesus died on the cross, came back to life, ascended to the right hand of the Father. I could trust him that <clears throat> life is over, funeral, I rise again. We sing about that, amen? But do we trust God to be the God of resurrection on an everyday basis? Amen? And that's the thing that God really put on my heart. He wants us to speak into those things. Call forth. He's calling forth those things that be not as though they were. Can we trust God to resurrect the things that seem to have died in our lives? Amen? Or are we walking around discouraged, defeated? If only I tried it 10 years ago. If only I listened to God five years ago. I was disobedient. I heard him clearly and I didn't do it because of my own selfish desires, because of my sins, because people taught me out of it, because I was deceived, because I didn't understand, because I was ignorant. I mean, we could play that violin and cry over that glass of spilled milk all day long. <laughs> Amen. And we all have been there. I know I have. But when are we going to stop playing the violin and crying over the, the glass of spilled milk? We don't even drink the milk. We cry over it. <laughs> the, 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 the glass of spilled milk is laying there on the floor. We grew up five years ago, ten years ago. Oh, my life. If only I listened to my parents, my peers, my pastor. We cabbage patching over the glass of spilled milk. I'm saying that because I saw Nikki doing that last night. <laughs> Amen. We are just dancing over that spilled milk. And the whole time we cry over the spilled milk. The whole time, blessing, blessing, opportunity, new door, new horizon, new plateau. All this stuff is around there behind us. <laughs> Ta -da! Heavenly sounds out there. And we, <laughs> seriously, when are we going to get off the spilled milk, the pity potty? the flowers and the violins and say, you know what? It was dead. Yeah, I screwed it up. Like I said, been there. I missed it five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it was, I missed it. The last time I checked in the Bible from cover to cover, there's a lot of people that messed up. David the king, Elijah the prophet, all kinds of people that screwed up miserably. But yet God 
When, they, when these people listen to God, he's resurrected their circumstances. Amen? So God is trying to revitalize, make alive, give life to. He is now bidding or calling us forth, urging us, hailing us on, inciting us in some circumstances to not just sit there and do nothing with our lives. Amen? But are we listening? Or we want to sit there and just be pitiful for the rest of our miserable days in Christ. <sighs> okay, we can finally get off the text scripture. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let's look at God and how he did certain things in terms of speaking the future into manifestation. Genesis 1, 1 through 7. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. So we see here that God visualized things. And as he looked at the earth, it says it was without form and void and there was darkness all over the place. But God was not just satisfied by letting things stay as they were. We see that God saw these things and he spoke and said, let there be light and air and oxygen and animals and plants and all these different things. God looked at the circumstances, said, I'm not going to just settle for things being as they are. I'm going to do something about this. This is a disorganized, chaotic mess. It's a void. I'm not going to have it like that. I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to bring structure and order to it. So God began speaking what he visualized. He said, let there be this and let there be that. And everything that he spoke came into manifestation. So in other words, he saw into the future from what he was looking at right then. How are we viewing our circumstances? Amen. Are you so busy being obsessed with the chaos, the formlessness? The disorganization, the chaos, and the void of what is going on right now? Or are you willing to trust God and say, oh, yes, it may be a miserable mess right now, but I'm going to believe and start speaking and pronouncing the word of God over it so that what was the disorganized becomes organized. What was chaotic now becomes stable. What was dead now becomes life. What was defeated now becomes victorious amen are you willing to do that or are you going to sit there and say oh yeah i see this is a mess i'll oh, just stay here <laughs> and maybe i'll become disorganized and chaotic and void of purpose just like all this other stuff i see around me see god said i'm not satisfied with that so i'm going to visualize something greater and then i'm going to speak into it and it's going to happen. And see, it was very important that God spoke 
into the future of that thing to bring order out of chaos. Because even though we see here uh, in verse 2, it says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. That actually isn't translated as it was intended from the original Hebrew. The word there is moved, but in the original Hebrew, it actually says to be relaxed. The Holy Spirit was relaxed over the waters. Amen. So the Holy Spirit was poised to do something, but he was waiting for the the pronouncement of God to actually bring order into the chaos that was there. And we being made in the likeness of God and temples of the Holy Ghost, we're not authoritative over the Holy Spirit. He's part of the triune Godhead. He's sovereign and supreme as God the Father and Jesus are. But yet, if we're speaking and pronouncing things in agreement with the word of God, we have the privilege, the right, and the capacity within us to pronounce the blessings, the plans, the purposes, and will of God into the circumstances, and then those things. The word of God tells us that sometimes we don't have anything because we don't ask, seek, and knock. Amen? And so basically, if you don't speak towards it, it's your fault if it doesn't come into fruition. But if you see something, it's in agreement with God's word for your life and your destiny and his plan and purposes, and we speak that thing forth in faith, we should have the expectation that the manifestation of God's promises will be fulfilled. Amen? So if we are surrounded by a void, chaos, dysfunction, instability, and all these different things, and yet we never speak into these things changing and becoming stabilized, how can we go back to God and say, you never do anything for me. My life never changes. Oh, woe is me. I mean, we're going to say, oh, woe is me until the day we die if we can never visualize things changing for the better. If we never see God moving in our circumstances. Amen? And like I said, it doesn't matter whether... It's your health or your job or relationships with people, organizations, whatever it is. If we don't take the time to say, okay, I see what's going on right now, but instead of me being alarmed and overwhelmed by it, I'm going to take a step back, view it from the perspective of God, see what God could desire out of this, and then start speaking in regard to his promises being fulfilled. Because once we do that, then the same way the Holy Spirit went from basically relaxing over the midst of the water to now shaping the land masses and the bodies of water, how can we expect the Holy Spirit to move if we don't see anything to move toward? Amen? So you've got to see something coming out of your circumstances. Yes, it's chaotic, but I'm going to see outside the chaos, and I'm going to start believing God and speaking towards those things. Speak those things that be not as though they were. Full of chaos right now, God, you're going to believe, bring order into my circumstances. You're going to bring peace and salvation and deliverance and healing and inspiration and, and this and that. And just whatever God will place upon your heart as you pray, believe God that he can bring it to pass and start speaking into those things. When God said, let there be, he's basically saying, I'm commanding you to exist. I'm commanding you to become, or I'm commanding you to come to pass. So God wasn't just randomly saying, oh, whatever happens as I speak, 
I'll just accept whatever pans out. God envisioned what he wanted to come forth, and then he spoke into it exactly as he wanted it to manifest. So we need to be deliberate as well. What do you want to come out of this? I just want that person to get their act together. Well, what you define as getting their act together (laughs) may not be what God sees as getting their act together. I've seen that happen before. Lord, get his act together so we can do this or that. He gets his act together and he'll have a part of you. (laughs) Well, God, that's not what I prayed. Well, you said get his act together. His act together. (laughs) Maybe he's gone because you're acting together. (laughs) God, get these people at work. Get this job together. I can't stand this. You get fired and laid off. (laughs) Now, all of a sudden, peace comes in the whole situation. (laughs) Well, they might have got together. You need to be more specific about what you desire. Amen. I'm not saying you got to break it down to the smallest, you know, common denominator. But if you throw random stuff out there, if you get random back. (laughs) If you get random back, maybe you prayed randomly. So God visualized. He saw a formless, shapeless, lifeless things out there. He spoke into it and through the power. Amen. We know God didn't need faith. He is the author of faith. But God spoke into it. He knew exactly as he commanded it to be, it was going to come into manifestation. And that's the thing. Even if you're not certain exactly how something should pan out, you can still go to God and say, Lord, I'm praying against this confusion, this dysfunction. I'm praying peace and salvation and deliverance and this and that. And I want you to bring it forth according to what you see as the, the perfect will for the situation. Amen. And trust God to do his best. So like I said, God envisioned what he wanted to come into manifestation. And it came forth exactly as he envisioned it. God, as we saw, envisioned something that he spoke it forth. And once he spoke, the activation of what he said, um, according to his power, came into manifestation. There might also could be an issue that some things have not transpired yet because we have not activated or ignited the fire of God to move in that circumstance, born out of faith. And we see that that's something that could occur. You know, Jesus went to, a man came to, to Jesus once. He's like, oh, my child, he's you know, demon-possessed and oppressed and throws himself in the fire. And, and Jesus is like, well, do you believe? I can heal the child? He said, Lord, I believe. Then he got honest. Help me with my unbelief. So we can even be honest with God. If we're struggling with something, tell God, look, look. I've tried this, I've tried that, I've prayed this, prayed that. I'm a little weak in faith right now. But Lord, take me over the hurdle of what needs to be done to bring this into motion. Amen. Activate the little bit of faith I have. Amen. To enable me to see your promises fulfilled. Hallelujah. The word says, as I'm thinking about that, it says that if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed. It doesn't say the whole seed. Think about that. It says, as a grain of a mustard seed. You don't even have to have the whole grain in terms of the level of faith. Just a grain, a part, in other words, of the mustard seed. 
It says, you could say to this mountain, be removed, and it will be cast into the sea. So we could tell God, hey, I'm a little short here. I don't have the whole seed. I just got a grain. But, Lord, take that grain and bring order out of all this chaos and dysfunction that's hovering over my life. Holy Spirit, please move in regard to these circumstances. I'm coming up a little short in my faith. The word in the book of Romans actually says it's given unto us a measure of faith. Amen. Do you realize that there's an amount of faith that's allotted to you that's associated with the journey that God is going to take you through? And that's not saying that God's favoring one over another. He just knows that each one of us are called to certain things. And with the things that are called to to occur and come forth in our lives, some of us are going to need a greater allotment of faith than others. Doesn't make you any better or worse. He doesn't love them any greater or you any less. It just means that what that person's called to because of the warfare and the obstacles that they have to come through, they may need a different measure of faith than you or I might need. Amen? But if, there's, if faith is quantifiable and measurable, it says it's a measure of faith. That means it could be quantified. And I don't know what measurement God uses in the faith realm, but let's say it's in the natural. Somebody might have a liter. Somebody might have a gallon. Somebody might have, a, somebody might have a, a pint. Somebody might have a cup. I don't know. But here's the thing. If I need two gallons of faith to get over my obstacle and I got a gallon, well, I need to have enough faith in God to say, Send somebody into my life or show me those I can go to that I can partner my faith. Join our faith together. Hey, I, got, I need two counts of faith. You got a pint. Can I, can I borrow one of your pints? Oh, you got two pints? Oh, shoot. Okay, that's, see, that's a pint and three quarters. I need another pint. Uh, you got a pint you can spare? All right, let's all join together. Oh, man, we got two and a quarter pints, gallons of faith. We only need two? Bam, let's get this thing In the name of Jesus, amen? Hallelujah. So sometimes you can't necessarily get yourself over the hump by yourself. But you could join with like-minded believers, come into agreement and say, we're going to jointly pray for the promises of God to come forth in this person's life. Amen? So the thing is, before we do that, though, we have to see, once again, what is the void, the dysfunction, the disorder that's surrounding me? And we have to see beyond the void into the land of the spirit. Amen. Where even though defeat is here, victory is here. And what do we sing this morning? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. How? As it is in heaven. Yes, this is a mess right now here on earth. But in heaven, in the spirit realm, I see victory. I see structure. I see order, I see love, I see the mending relationships, I see victory, I see healing, I see all the different promises of God. Yes, this is a mess, but I want on earth to be as it is in heaven. In the spirit realm, it's nothing but peace and joy and love and victory. I need to see here on earth what is up there so now I can speak to it and say, come down (laughs) and intercept the situation I'm dealing with right now. I need to call the heavenly things down into the earth realm. Amen? See, the victory, the structure, the order, the life, it's all there and it's all available. But unfortunately, sometimes it won't come into manifestation here on earth until an earth vessel opens up the gates of heaven 
to bring the blessings down and into manifestation here on earth. Amen. So we have to be the ones. He calls us temples of the Holy Ghost. One time I was teaching, I said, a temple of the Holy Ghost. I said, man, that's, that's incredible. I said, that makes you a portable repository of the power of God. So wherever you go, it could be the devil's stronghold. But by you going in there, your temple of the Holy Ghost, you're taking the power of the kingdom of God with you. So why are you walking into the devil's stronghold and saying, Oh, the devil going to tear me up. You know, you'd be thinking, once I get there, it's on. I'm a repository. I'm, a with, I'm holding within me the power of God. I'm going to walk in this situation, open myself up, and let the power flow out. Amen? So I'm not going to sit here and settle for the chaos, the dysfunction, the deviltry, the wickedness. I'm not going to settle for that. Shoot. They, the devil must be scared when I come on the horizon because his vessel is coming on the scene. There's a new sheriff in town. And he's, he or she is coming forth with the power of God. And see, you get a believer. Believers in God go all over the place. But a lot of us don't walk in the power and authority that God has invested in us because of lack of knowledge. So we may go all over the place. But if you don't go different places and speak and pronounce order and love and the mending of breaches and the power of God and the kingdom into the places you go to, why would we blame God that, that nothing ever changes? I've given you all the weapons. I've given you all the tools. But you're going in there with all that nonsense and you're sitting there quiet, passive, lifeless. Well, I don't want to rattle any cages. I don't want to offend anybody. It's none of my business. But then we go back home <laughs> after God has set the stage for you to go in there and maybe impact their lives. We go home. Oh, I just hate going over there. They're just a mess. Just full of mess. Oh, just make me cringe going there. Why is it making you cringe? You got the Holy Spirit in you. Why are you cringing at devils? <laughs> There's some people in the New Testament. The disciples came to Jesus one day. and said, Jesus, man, you hear what's going on? He's like, what? He said, man, these guys they ain't one of us. They're casting out devils in your name, man. We've got to put a stop to that. I'm paraphrasing it. Jesus is like, let them alone. He's like, they got more faith than most of y'all do. I didn't train them, but yet they have enough faith in my name that they're pronouncing the very things and doing the very works that I called y'all to do through training. He's like, they got it. Why are we as believers? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to interfere. I don't want to mess with anybody. I don't want to rattle the cage. No, you need to rattle some cages in Jesus' name. Rattle some cages. Start, like I said, seeing the chaos there and say, you know what? I'm not going to settle for it anymore. Before I get there, I'm going to be praying for God to change it. And I'm going to keep bombarding and bombarding it until I see something change. Amen. And when I go there, I'm going to go amped up, ready to pour out the blessings and the love and the compassion and the inspiration and pray and speak the promises of God over their circumstances. And the thing is, you don't have to be all, all crazy and Bible up in the air. In the name of Jesus, y'all devil's going to stop this. Y'all fool the devil. You ain't got to do all that. You can go sit down in a chair. In the name of Jesus, I just thank you, praise you, Father. 
change the atmosphere, Father. Shift the atmosphere. I pray the blessings of God. And Lord, give me an opportunity as I talk to Uncle Joe, you know, stricken with alcoholism. Give me an opportunity to <laughs> call him. Give me an opportunity to just speak to him. And you ain't got to give him chapter and verse. You might just show him love and just touch his heart. Amen? I go places all the time. Now, like, and I was a, a heathen back in my days living in Burlington in my college years. Big time heathen. And everywhere I go, because of the transition my sister has seen in my life, I might not have seen people 20, 30 years. They're like, oh, you're a man of God. I heard all about you. I'm like, I ain't seen you since high school. And they know some of my business. Because first interacting with her and her seeing the true Jesus, not the Bible thumping, not the, you know, the phony one, not the, the, the Pharisee and Sadducee, but seeing the true Jesus in action in her life, she starts sharing with people, and then they share it with people. So now I go back to my hometown. A lot of times I haven't seen people in years. Some of them since, like, I graduated in 79. Oh, I heard you, man of God now. Praise God. They know my, see, in other words, my reputation has preceded me because of how I've interacted. And we can all do the same. Amen? As we interact with people, we pray for people, and we worry, don't worry so much about the perfect modus operandi in terms of interacting to share the gospel. Instead, just be ourselves in Jesus. The love, the presence of Jesus will advertise itself. You may not even say the name. I had one time, I was in this office over in Philly doing some work on this guy's computer. A customer came in. He brought in some equipment. and I'm sorry, he's coming to pick up some equipment. The guy showed him receipt. They talked a little bit. And he went in the back to go get the equipment. And I happened to look back, and I just kind of nods my head, hello, turn my head back. And I turned my head back, didn't know me, never seen me before. You must be a man of God. I was like, wow, that was deep. See, see, people, I don't know if he's saved or unsaved, but you realize that there's an aura on you. Some people have the aura of the kingdom of the world system. Some people have the aura of the presence of Jesus. So sometimes without even a word, they can just sense it on you. Amen. So we need to allow ourselves to be um, more sensitive and, and prayerful and, and, and looking at the circumstances and not giving up on them and saying, oh, I can never change anything. I'm wasting my time. And instead, had the mindset that I need to start speaking things forth in the lives of people. So this is a twofold thing in our own lives, speaking towards our future. Yes, it looks like it's dead. It looks like this is not going to happen. It looks like... I took too long. I wasted too much time. I, I made too many mistakes. It's dead. Man, they pro- people prophesied over me when I was 20 years old that I was going to cut a CD. You know, it's going to touch the world for the body of Christ in song. Or I was going to write a poem. Or I was going to start a business. Or you know, now I'm going through health problems and people told me that they could see God's going to heal me. But I'm not quite sure because I've gone to the doctor too many times. Why are we sitting there let that stuff be dead? Amen. We need to speak life into it and see the future. There is no bleak future in Jesus Christ and in the kingdom of God and according to the spirit of God. Who is more powerful, Satan or God? Who is stronger, the world system or the kingdom of heaven? Who is stronger? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves. If you truly, outside of your mouth, but truly in your heart of hearts and your spirit, believe that God is supreme and he could do anything, no matter how things may look right now, 
see things from a God's, I say it this way, see things from a God's eye perspective. In the natural, I can't even describe how I feel and what I see. But we are not natural people. <laughs> That's how I check. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So why are you going around seeing things according to your natural senses anyway? You're not supposed to be doing that. Words, I said it when we were saying it. We're supposed to be seated in heavenly places. That means you're seated and you're perceiving things according to this perspective um, of elevation. You're not seeing things according to the natural. And that doesn't mean that your natural body doesn't see, hear, taste, touch, and interact with these things. Of course, they're tangible and you're a tangible being. But you shouldn't be governed by the tangible and your five senses. <laughs> they talk about a sixth sense. You know, not sixth sense in terms of ESP, but the believer should have another sense, whatever you want to label it. We should, have a li- we should have senses that go beyond the five natural senses. You should have discerning of spirit, you know, the word of knowledge, dif- different spiritual gifts we see in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. These are the things that we have to trust in and allow ourselves to operate in so we can see beyond the tangible and now start speaking for the things that God has shown us in the spirit over the natural, no matter how things may seem to be. And like I said, it doesn't matter whether something has been entrenched for two months or 20 years. <laughs> Moses, what, 80? <laughs> when God came to him, 120. Noah's building the ark for over 100 years. Amen? 120 years, I think it was. What is 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 80 years to God? So you're saying, oh, it's been dead this long. So what? That's nothing but a blink of the eye of vapor to God. You're like, I ain't pressed it. That's <laughs> You've had this thing governing your life, controlling it, keeping it dysfunctional and disordered and chaotic for the last 10 years of your life? 10 years? Seriously? That's not even a blink of his, uh, that's not even his eyelash fluttering. <laughs> if we look at the natural, blink, blink your eyes. And 10 years? That's not even a blink in the, the mindset of an eternal God. So how are you going to say that, oh, that's been entrenched and messed up too long, or that situation, or that dream I have has been dead for too long. I can't resuscitate it. It's a blink of the eye of the guy. <laughs> so like I said, we go back to the illustration I gave, gave earlier. 12.30, oh, call it, died at 12.35 p.m. Well, 20 years later. To you, 20 years have passed. To God, we're at 12.35 p.m. and one second. I can resuscitate it. And the thing is, even if it was truly dead that long, he's a God of life. He can bring life out of anything. Amen? So nothing is dead too long. But can you believe God that these things can come forth? Can you believe God? That's the question for us today. Can you believe God to bring into manifestation the things he's promised you regarding your future? Each one of us has things that are personal to us. Like I said, some of us have employment dreams. Some of us have relational dreams. Some of us have physical dreams. Some of us have mental dreams. All these different types of dreams or opportunities or ministries that God has called us to, they're all unique to each one of us because he's uniquely made us. And they're none, none of them, no matter how big or small, 
or greater or lesser than anybody else. And to God, they're highly important. <laughs> highly important. You know, he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb and visualized these things to come forth. So how can you ever say that thing's been killed or even worse, aborted? Well, God said, I knew you intimately in your mother's womb. I watch you. You know, I care for you. I was talking to minister, you know, Mark last night, and I talked about the illustration I gave, um, I think it was a couple months ago, about God's thought towards us being more than the sand on the sea. And I, I think I said that the average grain of sand, the average is like, I think, 0.05 millimeters in diameter. And if you take a, a cubic foot, I think it was like 600 and something thousand grains of sand and God having more thoughts for you than there are on a beach you take a cubic foot that just over 600 something thousand thoughts towards me wait a minute multiply by the, the amount of sand on the beach and what if God is not talking about the beach but he's talking about all the sand on the beaches on the entire planet that's the number of thoughts he has towards me your head would explode I mean we can't even think about it but yet my circumstances are dead why would he think that much about you if your stuff is ever dead? Isn't that kind of cold and aloof? Isn't that lacking compa compassion? If God would sit back and his prized possession, his beloved child, he would look down at your circumstances and see you defeated and discouraged and saying, this aspect of my life is totally over, forgotten, dead, never to be resurrected. What kind of loving father is he if he could look down to you and say, I accept that for you? Yes, your life is a waste. Your life will never be recovered. Your dreams will never be fulfilled. What kind of parent is that? I mean, I stink <laughs> in terms of fatherhood and, parent and being a parent in relation to Kyle and Trey. I would never dream for their life to be stuck in a place where they've made a mistake or missed an opportunity or didn't trust me enough or got enough, and now this is it. I have another 30, 40, 60, 70 miserable years of this is my life. I wouldn't do that as an earthly father. And I suck at this <laughs> in comparison to God. I'm a good dad, but in comparison to God, <laughs> scale of 1 to 100, I'm like negative infinity. Comparison, in comparison to the love of God. So how can God look at us and allow and accept that something could be done if he's a loving father? So maybe, just maybe, we're the ones that have given up. We're the ones, like I said, that don't have as much love and trust in ourselves as God has in us. Amen. So we need to get out of our ruts and start believing God and start speaking and moving in the realm of faith, speaking towards our future. And like I said, no matter what has gone on in the past, whether it's due to mistakes, missed opportunities, disobedience, birth, whatever, don't just sit there and accept this is where I'm at and this is my future. And instead, start looking towards the future that God has given us. Each one of us, I guarantee you, if you really thought about it, and it may not be this deep thing like, I know I'm called to do this. It may not be that deep, but it might be just this little thing inside of you. Every time you hear a certain subject, your ears perk up. 
every time you get involved in a certain activity, wow, that really makes me feel good inside. That's the call of God, beckoning. Yes, this is what I've called you to. You know, you feel that sense of excitement. You see that, you feel that sense of completeness because it's probably that thing within you that whether you know it or not, God is calling you. So why, if, and here's the thing, if in your everyday life you could feel that excitement, that motivation, that pull on you, still calling, how could it be dead if you still feel the pull? I'm going to say it again. If that thing is dead, how can you still fulfill the excitement, the pull, the motivation, the inspiration, the peace, the fulfillment, if it's dead? If it's dead, it can't interact with you. It can't touch you or inspire you. It can't, it's, it's dead, right? But how do you still feel it? <laughs> So that means it's not dead. The only reason it's dead is because you've allowed yourself to be deceived into thinking it's dead and gone. But if you truly hear the voice of God and and that inward thing, the spirit and the gifting, here's the thing. It's not always the Holy Spirit, too. Sometimes it's the natural gifting that God has embedded in us that makes these things pull on you. One of the things that is on me is that I have a ministry of helps. And it's just very, I had to learn over the years to be able to say no because the gift of helps in me, every time there's a need, I'm ready to throw on the, 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 the cape, the red cape, put the red S on my chest and jump out and say, da, 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 save the world. Because I got the ministry of helps. The ministry of helps will make you leap. And people are like, we didn't even need you. So I'm here. <laughs> that, that's that ministry of helps. Some of you have had a ministry of hospitality, of singing, of poetry, just different giftings. And some of them are in the Bible under the official spiritual gifts. But then some of them are just little attributes that are inside you that it might be packaged under one of those. But it's just something in you that pulls on you or you have a craving for it. And when you do it, just like, ah, I just love this. You know, I've seen times like Linda when she's done the vases around Thanksgiving. And I remember years ago, Sharice Anderson, we were at Salt Rock. And um, one day, um, we were, I think, I can't remember if I was praying for her or we were praying for somebody else. And I called her over. But we were praying and everything. And we were done praying. She apologized, she apologized to me. And I say, like, oh, what's wrong? She said, oh, my hands, oh, I don't know why my hands just sometimes just get so sweaty. And I said, give me your hand. And she reached over, and I grabbed her hand. I went like this. It's like, I was like, that's incredible. She's like, what? I said, that don't feel like sweat. I said, that feels like oil. I was like, wow. I said, she's got a healing ministry. It literally felt like oil coming out of her hands just from her praying. But she's sitting there not understanding and saying, oh, it's so embarrassing when my hands do that. No, girl, you need to let that thing flow. <laughs> it might be somebody with cancer, or AIDS, kidney problems, diabetes in here that needs that oil coming out of your hands supernaturally. So sometimes that's the thing. We may sometimes confuse the gifting of God that's within us and think, oh, it's embarrassing or it's not that big or it's not important. But yet God is saying, that's the very thing I'm calling you to. Amen? So we have to be willing to flow with it and, and start to learn and allow God to speak into us. Amen? And here's the thing. 
the very things he's placed within us, a lot of times would get us outside of our places of being stuck in ruts and get us into the places where he has called us to in our future. Amen? Hallelujah. They are the very tools that will enable us to walk into our future. All right, let's go to Luke 1, 26 through 33. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So you're probably saying, like, well, what's a Christmas story <laughs> basically have to do with uh, speaking my future in a manifestation? But the reason the Lord placed this passage on my heart is the principle involved with it. You see, even before Jesus, his only begotten son, was born, God ensured that blessings and prophecies would be spoken over him, not only regarding his birth, but also his future and how the legacy would be left in his life. How many of us, amen, have pronounced blessings over ourselves and where we feel God has called us to? Are we just kind of randomly walking and seeing how things will pan out? Or before you even get into the manifestation of your future, are you speaking and pronouncing blessings over it before the birth comes forth? Amen? Are you speaking blessings, pronouncing things? God was very deliberate. Over the vessel that was used to bring it forth, he spoke blessings. Amen? So in other words, it was not just about the final result of Jesus coming forth, but the vessel used to bring the birth into manifestation, he blessed that as well. And that's another thing. You may be looking at career goals, relationships, different opportunities, helping your body. Are you only blessing the thing you need out of situation? Or are you blessing all the resources, all the tools, all the people that God's going to use to bring the future into manifestation? Amen. That might be one of the things that could be blocking the future coming forth. Have you pronounced blessings over those things? God bless the vessels that are going to be used. Amen. Call, call it favored. We see here he called Mary favored. He said, matter of fact, he said, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. Those vessels used to get you in your destiny. You are highly favored. Why? Because God's going to use you as a vessel to bring forth the future of one of his servants. So God highly favor them. Amen. Bless them in all they're doing. Bless them in how they're used to usher forth the destiny you envision for my life. See, it ain't all about me. Bless them as well for the role that they're playing in my life getting into my future. Bless them. Highly favor them, Lord. Hallelujah. We see here 
not only did he say bless it, but then um, he said fear not. <laughs> you have found favor. Hey, they might be going through different things. Fear not. Lord, give them peace. Pour out your salvation, your peace, your deliverance upon all the vessels that are being used to bring forth my future destiny. Bless them. Amen? Because, see, here's the thing. If they're going to be used to help bring your future forth and the devil's attacking you, well, if they're helping you get where you're going, you might be like, oh, let me shoot them first. Amen? So speak peace and courage and strength and resources unto them as well just for the sake of them being used as a vessel to bring forth your destiny. And he just brought somebody to mind too. If you look at the lineage of, of Jesus, I think in the, the New Testament, man, it's listing all these people and it comes at one point, it gets, it's odd. It's listing all these men and all of a sudden it says, Rachab the harlot. Uh-oh. Prostitute? Jesus came from a prostitute? Ooh. But she was blessed. Why? Because she was used to bless the spies that were coming in so they would have safe passage. Amen? So she was somebody that was used as a resource to bring forth the blessings of God and to protect his servants. And as a result, her name is still recalled generations later and listed in the lineage of our Savior. So she was highly favored to the point where... I'm talking about her right now. So it was Rahab in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, she was referred to as Rahab. But um, she was highly favored. And like I said, the blessings of God extended unto her. Matter of fact, when they came in and, and, and basically devastated that town, they like, leave her alone. She was somebody to help us. Do not kill her or her family. Leave them alone. Y'all take everything out. Leave her and, her and all hers alone because she has blessed us in what we're doing. So speak the blessings of God over those who could be used as a catalyst to help propel you into your future. Then, after he had blessed the vessels that were used to get Jesus uh, to come forth and into his destiny, then he pronounced a blessing over Jesus and his destiny as well. So is that something that we're doing? Amen. Bless God. You know, God bless all the people that are helping to open up the opportunity or helping me get to my destiny. But also, as I reach my future, I'm pronouncing, before I get there, pronouncing blessings over it and where it's going. Oh, I'm not just getting here to this business just to start the business and then it folds in five weeks. No, I'm speaking blessings and towards the future of that thing, that it will be sustained, that it will survive, that it will prosper in everything it seeks to accomplish. Hallelujah. So if you pronounce blessings over your future, or like I said, are you just letting life fall as it may? And, yeah, whatever happens, it just kind of happens. I'll deal with it when I get there. Or are you speaking blessings over it in advance? Hallelujah. <sighs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to stop there today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, you show me that. That's a lot to absorb, so I want to keep pushing it. Let's absorb. Because 
I knew, like, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to share today, but I knew, like, the Lord dropped it in my spirit, and it's, it's prophetic. It's like, absorb it. <laughs> Cause, and, and the thing the Lord showed me, too, like, this is a, the season for it, too. So I don't know what y'all praying for, what you believe for. I don't know if y'all dealing with situations that you have rendered in your mind or even declared dead. But God says he's a quickening God. He can restore anything back to life. But as y'all going to see in the coming week or weeks, there's stuff that we have to do to bring those things into manifestation. Amen. We have a part to play in that. God is all powerful. He can bring anything to life. Amen. You know, anything to life. Resurrected. But if we're going to sit back and say, oh, I'll just accept it as it is. Well, it's going to be what it's going to be. <laughs> but don't blame God if it stays dead. You know, don't blame God. Don't murmur and complain. Don't, oh, he wasn't faithful to me. Oh, I can't trust God. Oh, his word's not. No, no, no. <laughs> like I said, you can sit there playing your violin, ask somebody to bring you some roses, have a nice gown flowing and a whole full orchestra behind you strumming your sad, you know, medley. <laughs> And nothing's going to change. You can sit there and cry and you're spilled milk. That's the thing. You're going to spill some milk, at least have enough sense to go get some bounty and mop it up. But we just sit there and leave it. We leave the milk. The milk's going to turn sour. The milk is turned into cheese. You've been crying over your milk so long, it has curdled and turned to cheese. You can't even get it up with a paper towel. You need to get a spoon and maybe just eat it. It's cheese now. <laughs> But are you going to stay like that forever or start, once again, seeing those things that be not, don't stay there though, be not as what? As though they were. See, and that's a key phrase, as though they were. They're not yet, but I'm going to see them as though they are, as, the, as though it has happened, as though it has manifested. Yes, I know it's in this condition right now. I ain't stupid. I have two eyes. I can hear, I can feel, and in my humanity, sometimes it rattles me. But even though I see it as it is right now, I'm going to take my eyes off the natural and look into the binoculars or the telescope of the future of what it will be in God. And I'm just getting this. It's not the future of what it could be. Say it again. It's not the future. It's not see those things that be not as though they could be no sees those things that be not as though they were no were that's gonna be the last thing for today see them as though they were wait a minute you're talking about the future god but don't you know grammar i mean my mother-in-law jesus a teacher why would you see those things as though they were when you talk in future tense you should be seeing see those things as though they are or will be but god says see them as though looking in the future they were it's already occurred so i'm looking into the future you get that i'm looking into the future but yet as i'm looking in the future i'm seeing them as they already occurred and in the spirit, in the spirit, they already occurred. It just has not manifested yet. Why? Because the vessel called forth, 
bid it by God to bring it into manifestation has not spoke it into existence yet. So see those things that be not as though they were. God's saying, I'm waiting for a few people to get a hold of the word. It's already there. You didn't call it forth. So don't blame God if it never occurs. To God, God's looking in the past tense. We're looking in the future. God's looking in the past tense, and he's like, it's already done. You're sitting here trying to get me to make it happen. It's been done for the foundation of the world. I just need you to speak into the future regarding what I already did in the past to bring it forth in the present. I'm going to say that again. I need you to speak into that which is in your future regarding that which I already did in the past to bring it forth in your present. So it's already done. You just got to speak it into the present circumstance. So it's in your future, but it's already done, and you just got to bring it forth now. So the key, if you really look at it, is not God. He already did his work. The key is us being faithful and trusting enough to say, bring it into manifestation. Now, on earth, see, the earth is done. I mean, I mean, on earth, I'm sorry, I point the wrong way. On earth, as it, not as it was, as it, not as it will be, on earth as it is. See, it already is. It's current. It's present. Get it? The tense is in the tense on all these verses is correct on earth as it presently is in heaven. Bring it to manifestation now in the current. So in other words, we got to we serve an eternal God that is not bounded by time. But because we're bounded by time, we got to come into the place where we can see the future promises of God and see that even though they are future in our temporal bodies, in the, in the spirit realm, they're already fulfilled. We've got to bring them into the present through our faith. See, that is the bridge. That is the, 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 the towing line that pulls the things down or opens up the windows of heaven so that the promises of God will come forth into our current circumstances. But we are the key. We are the key. And the thing is, we are vessels of righteousness, temples of the Holy Ghost. But if we see... We see the example of God. God said, he envisioned, and God spoke and said, let there be. Why are you trying in your flesh to make it be? Why are you trying through your friends to make it be? Why are you trying through the drink to make it be? Why are you trying through your murmuring and complaining to make it be? The only way you can make what is in the future come to the present that has already been fulfilled in the past, you've got to do it through the same method, the modus operandi, that God did. God thought, which means he visualized it, spoke, and it was. You're not going to get it through any other pattern. God showed you the pattern. Use other patterns. Use the same pattern that God has already revealed to his word. What did he say? We are made in the likeness of God. Why are you trying to do something outside of your likeness? That's why you're not getting it. You got to Go through the same thing. So visualize the thing, even if it's dead. Okay, I can see the fulfillment. Now I speak, born out of faith, and the same way it manifests it in the pattern that we see in God, see the pattern of God. 
fulfilled in our lives if it's according to his will. Now, you're not going to pay anything that's outside his will, but if you're praying the plan and purposes and will for your life according to his word, God will make it come to pass. And there may be seasons, amen, but we're not supposed to get weary in well-doing and weary in the times and seasons. You know, that's why the word tells us about, you know, don't, be, don't get weary in well-doing. And it talks about um, in, one's own, in, in, in God's due time, he'll bless us and he'll exalt us. That phrase in, um, in, in due time, in the underlying, underlying Greek is idios kairos. There's chronos time, which is chronological with the clock. Then there's kairos time. Kairos is one's own God-appointed time. It's a destiny. It's an assignment. It's an appointment with God. So while you're waiting for the manifestations to come forth, you got to keep pronouncing and believing and operating in faith and according to the word. And when the time and season is perfect, God's going to bring it to the manifestation, but you can't get weary and give up on the process. Amen. You got to continue to walk this thing out in faith and pronounce and pronounce and pronounce until you blue in the face, but keep pronouncing until you see the promises of God fulfilled in your life in God's one's own God appointed time. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to stop there. I said I was going to stop before. I'm stopping. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to pray some things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father, the one who quickeneth and giveth life. We praise and thank you right now, Father, for ushering in our destiny. And we thank you, Father, that we saw the pattern on how to bring the future of the things that were completed in the past manifested into the present. And right now, Father, we repent if we've given up on anything. We repent if we've murmured and complained or even pronounced that that situation, that thing, that, that, that relationship, whatever it is, if we've pronounced out of our mouths, knowing or, or unknowingly that we spoke death, right now we repent of it. And we praise and thank you, Father, that now that we've repented, Lord, hallelujah, we've opened up the opportunity for your promises to come forth in your life. We speak forth gifts, hallelujah, that we're given up on. We speak up, speak forth witty inventions that have been put to the side. We speak forth opportunities and jobs and endeavors, ministries, hallelujah, relationships, Father. Whatever we had deemed dead, whether we spoke it or whether we thought it, right now we praise and thank you that as a God who quickens the dead, even right now the spark of life is coming back into those things. And we praise and thank you, Father, for it. We praise you, Father, that even if we're looking at things right now in the natural that seem terrible or seem bleak or seem like they would never change, right now we change our perception. We no longer look at those things as they are in the natural. We're now elevating our eyesights, lifting up our spiritual chins and looking at the promises of God, seeing them fulfilled. And, Lord, we speak right now that these things will be on earth as they are in heaven. We thank and praise you, Father, for them. We celebrate 
the victories and the promises and the manifestations of the things that you have birthed or have birthed in us being fulfilled. And we praise and thank you, Father, that, hallelujah, you who have begun a good work in us will complete it. We say that again. We thank you, Lord, that you who have begun a good work in us will complete it. We praise you right now, Father, that we will see our lives revolutionized. We will see things revitalized. Father, as we look at our families and friends and organizations and things that we're interacting with, we praise and thank you that the things that have been entrenched, hallelujah, will come, come tr- tumbling down. Father, even as we said during praise and worship, that praise will plow. We praise you, Father. We command those things to be devastated, to be destroyed, to be brought down to the ground. We praise and thank you, Father, that you uproot every ungodly thing that was even in the soil of those things. Hallelujah. We praise and thank you, Father, that you would move out all the debris, the rubble, the baggage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The toxicity. Remove all those things and bring forth life and a full harvest, Father, not only for us but also for the lives of people that you would have us pray over and minister to. And we just thank and praise you, Father, for this. We give you the glory, the honor, and praise that by your Spirit, Hallelujah. We'll see your promises fulfilled. And we are looking and anticipating and excited about what you're going to do in our lives. And I praise and thank you, Father, that this word is for this season. Hallelujah. We speak it right now for this season. Things that we are called dead, resurrected right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Things that were in rigor mortis mode, things that had decayed, Father, right now we speak life into them right now in the name of Jesus. And we praise you, Father, for divine health peace and safety and comfort hallelujah deliverance hallelujah we thank you father for this and we praise and give you the glory and honor for these things in the name of jesus we pray amen hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus